0: Flaw open fly fly The Hello, Flypaniacs! Welcome back to Flyperbole. I'm your host, Steve Jaco, and man, things have changed since the last Flyperbole. You may have heard that on the last, I don't know, three or so BSH Radio podcasts that we've thrown out there, but we're gonna keep talking about that. We're gonna talk about Elaine Vigneault, and we're gonna talk about him not being the Flyers' coach anymore, and. All sorts of other interesting things that have happened, but this is going to be the main topic we're going to keep talking about it because it's a huge deal. And here to discuss this for, for a fresh take on this week is going to be the wonderful Kurt R. Kurt, how you doing tonight, bud? To quote the
1: Philadelphia Flyers' social media account on Sunday evening, shortly after the Flyers scored a power play goal to make it a 6-1 to one deficit. Woo! <laughs> So, this, look, these are just the things that happen when you have shore night on December 5th, I guess. Oh, but th- So obviously that game, you know, the, the death knell of the um, of the Leon Vignola, as we'll get to. Just a brutal game all around. Didn't didn't really do anything. Team didn't really do anything right. Gave up a lot of goals. Carter Hart wasn't good. Um, Nobody else was in fairness. um, Six to nothing in the third period. Martin Jones in at this point. Flyers get a power play and against all odds. Score on the power play, and I do, you know, we're we're gonna criticize the Flyers a fair bit here in the next however much time we're here, but to give them some like modicum of credit, I have never seen a team look less enthused about a goal than Cam and then like Cam Atkinson and his teammates were after he scored that goal. And here come the Flyers, who obviously you know prepared for this, tweeting out this gif of like of a ferris wheel and down at the shore <laughs> with all the fun lights and they got like the bullhorns and it, it just pops up. woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I'm just like woo. laughing so hard that this is like, I guess, you know, you, you let no content go unused when you have theme nights. We, we were talking about how they did the star Wars night. and <laughs> On a night where they got pasted by the Bruins, also during this losing streak that is still happening, and you know they, you know they make the animation for the, you know the ships uh, destroying the Death Star at the end, but you know you got to burn it during a loss, but no, let no content go unused, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that Death Star came in and destroyed the Rebel Alliance. Yavin 4 is just in, in bits everywhere. And yes, that was all the deep cuts from Star Wars. I enjoyed Star Wars night because I am a nerd, but I, I just love that the Flyers have to commit to these. And I do appreciate that they've been doing the theme nights and... I know some grumpy old-school fans are not happy about all these things, but frankly, they've got to get in people under the age of 50 who don't remember the bullies at this point to attend these things, so they are going to have to appeal to some people who are not just, you know, old-school beat-em-up hockey fans. But at the same time, it is hilarious seeing these things just go completely wrong for the team. I feel bad for the social media guys, but I mean, you know... Shore night for the Flyers went about as well as the Always Sunny episode where they go down the shore, except that one at least had the rum ham. This had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, unless you consider the rum ham the firing of Elaine Vigneault. But I, I mean, we did get to make multiple shit the beach jokes and then promptly followed up with a dog actually shitting on the Flyers logo at Center Ice, which talking about an amazing visual for this season and maybe the past decade of Flyers hockey. On the day the coach gets
1: fired, the dog shits right on the logo right at center ice. You, you, you,
0: if you wrote it in a movie, they'd say, that's a little too on the nose. Like this. There are more angles on this dog shitting on the ice than the Sapruder film. You know, like I, I've seen so I've seen basically a three sixty view of this dog shitting on the ice. It's amazing, and yeah, if you wrote it in a movie, it would be too on the nose, and it's it really is unbelievable the point we have found ourselves at with the Flyers right now, and because you know we knew there were going to be some rough points, and specifically we knew the month of November was going to be bad, but I don't really think most of us anticipated it being fire the coach bad especially considering elaine vigno riding high i don't know less than three years ago was it less than two years ago at this point like pretty recently. on the calendar it was like a year and a half remember
1: we like and they were talking about this on the on today's bsh radio like they we go, we went from yeah he should have won the jack adams his first year which i still kind of believe he should have to um yeah you got to get rid of him within you know From one at one point in one calendar year to one point in the next. Granted, it is December of this calendar year, but it 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 spiraled real fast. And I mean, the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher with their moves last offseason made it clear that they thought that the players that like they like some of the players, but they thought some changes need to be made. And, you know, there were, it's been, you know, reputably reported in multiple places. Charlie has talked about this a fair bit. Elliot Friedman has talked about this a fair bit. That there were some disagreements within the locker room, like the guys in the locker room and the coaches. And Chuck Fletcher, you know, put his foot down and said, y'all got to deal with these coaches. And, you know, if for good measure, we're going to get new players, too. We're going to ship some of you out and get guys we like more. And usually when you make that kind of statement. You don't look to fire the coach 22 games into the season or 20, uh, 21 games. In. Yesterday was game 22, so 21 games into the season. Because if you're doing that, something's gone terribly wrong.
0: If the coach doesn't make it to Christmas, that's pretty freaking bad.
1: Barely made it past Thanksgiving.
0: No, he barely made it past Thanksgiving. And I... It is just a a stunning turnaround for this team, and there really was that line drawn in the sand, like, you guys need to be better, and we've brought in guys to make this core better and improve the leadership and everything, but this just spiraled so poorly. The fact that Vigneault couldn't make it through even that two-game stretch, which we all had chalked in, penciled in as losses on the calendar, and we saw back-to-back against Tampa Bay and Colorado, given the state of this team, we said, yeah, those are back-to-back losses, and they were, and Vigneault couldn't even make it through the second of the assumed losses, because the Shore night was so bad.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, a lot of people say, why didn't you fire him during the three-day break? But, like, what are you going to do during that three-day break to prepare you to not get pantsed by maybe the two most talented wrestlers in the NHL? I mean, now, if you look at the next six games, I don't have the schedule in front of me. And, unfortunately, there is no way to access it anywhere. But I believe no way to they've... access
0: it, but no. I'll pull it up on my cellular telephone.
1: Um. Yeah, I believe—I mean, they've got— the schedule lightens up a lot, like you know. Not to make excuses for this team because they don't deserve them, and there hasn't been a remote baseline level of confidence that's or of competence that's been met. But the schedule to last, like during this losing streak and during this season as a whole to start, has been absolutely brutal. Like just in terms of opponents, they have faced the, mu- the month a- of November is just a row of opponents. I believe I read over half of their games this season. Have been against the top court, the teams in the top quarter of the NHL standings. Now, granted, maybe those teams are there because they keep playing the Flyers.
0: I wouldn't even say that though, because like I'm looking at the November schedule right now. Yeah, I'm going to run this down really quickly. So, November they played Arizona, Pittsburgh, Washington, Toronto, Carolina, Dallas, Calgary, Tampa Bay, Boston, Tampa Bay, Florida, Cal- <laughs> Carolina, New Jersey. That was the month, and their are only really easy opponents that you can pencil in there are New Jersey, Arizona, maybe Dallas, but I wouldn't even say that. Everybody else is really good. I mean, yeah, like, half their games have been, like,
1: it's what, three against Tampa, two against Florida, two against Carolina, two against Boston, two
0: against Calgary. I guess you could also argue the Pittsburgh game should have been, I, I guess, a win because Sidney Crosby didn't play, but, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah true but also pittsburgh has been winning games without crosby for like five years now it's just it's infuriating and you can you know look on paper and say yeah that's a game got to win but it's also kind of what they do maybe crosby's bad
0: have we thought of this i think we thought of this yeah
1: a lot of games against carolina florida tampa calgary um they faced edmonton they faced boston twice this is for the whole season now and like it's gonna like the schedule inevitably gets better and i believe their next six games they've got New Jersey twice they've I think it's New Jersey Vegas see no Seattle's after Christmas on the Disneyland I it's New Jersey Vegas Arizona and then New Jersey and Montreal and Ottawa I believe so like it's it, it gets easier
0: it goes New Jersey Vegas New Jersey Vegas Arizona New Jersey Montreal Ottawa Washington Pittsburgh Seattle San Jose Kings Ducks
1: yeah. So they, and that's the end of the year. Yeah. That Pittsburgh one is the last game before the breaks. That's Festivus. Um, but yeah, like if you want to ease a coach in, like, you know, you last night, I don't want to say the pressure was off because that's, that seems like bullshit, but it was like, a little off. Nope. A little off. Yeah. But like these next few games against bad teams, like if you want to try and make changes or, you know, not that the Flyers have much right to call anyone else a bad team right now, but it's not a great list of teams. And, um, like if you want to try and make changes now is as good a time as any if you want to try and implement new behaviors now is as good a time as any to try and start because like here's the thing and like we'll get to the the structured part of the show a little bit here but like you you know Chuck Fletcher made all these moves because he thought this team like he thought he was building a team that was a contender or was something close to a contender at the very least could get close enough that um that like with some luck they could do something special and like in the press conference last week, he basically said, I do want to see this team healthy. And he also said, paraphrasing, that like this coming week is a big week for us. And since then, the Flyers lost by three to the Rangers, lost by six to the Lightning, and lost by two to the Avs. So, you know, that was the week. And that was, you know, then that's how your coach and your French Mike get fired. But like Chuck Fleck, I don't, they're not going to give up on the plan just yet because they want to see if someone else can make it work like if someone else can take the lineup that you thought was a real good team and make it look like one because this isn't a fire this isn't you know this isn't a goalie firing you know this isn't one where they had bad luck and it's like well we have to do something like maybe there's some bad luck in there but they've also obviously transparently visibly played like dog shit for the last month the process hasn't been great the whole year but the last month has been brutal it's been abhorrent
0: it's been totally awful and it, it just watching it get worse and worse watching them dig a, a a deeper hole for themselves and specifically the areas that were were problematic and uh, Charlie had a really great breakdown on this on the athletic oh wow that you know they're talking about the the emphasis on dump in entries the lack of support through the neutral but enough about that dog am I right hey oh, but, but like that stuff was all the stuff that was driving us nuts watching from our couches at home, you know, like w- watching this team just dump in listlessly and double down on that, get dump in more and more, and just everything was just getting worse and worse. And a lot of that was the system that they were playing in, a lot of that was Elaine Vigneault's very system. And if you look at the guys who got fired, right? Elaine Vigneault for the five on five, Michelle Therrien for the absolutely putrid power play that they've been rolling out there
1: it's wild how bad this power play has been like yes we probably have to accept and part of the conversation here is inevitably like these players might just not be as good as we thought they were coming into this season might not be as good as the flyers thought they were but the there are definitely more than two teams that have that should have the personnel to have a worse power play than the Flyers. I, I worded that poorly, but you know what i mean.
0: like. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like they really should have. <laughs> they shouldn't be 30th. This is a middle of the pack power play. And this is a middle of the pack team, frankly, on their best day. I, I was saying this to Aemon the other day. They're like a B plus team, right? Mm-hmm. But like, this is not a a bottom, you know, quarter of the league team. Maybe bottom quarter, but it's certainly not like bottom three of the league team. And it certainly isn't the power play should be scoring more than that they have more talented players than that and yeah you could say they don't have a true sniper they don't really have a guy who can pick a corner and just score at will but they they certainly don't have personnel that shouldn't be scoring more and you can tell how much of it is the system because the system is just it's just horrible. There's no strategy on that power play. They just look lost out there, and that's a coaching failure. That's a 100% a coaching failure. That's not to relieve the players of any blame because the players have played like shit too, but clearly there was a problem with the coaching and it is time to get a different look.
1: And it'll it'll be interesting because as has been discussed, the players um Clearly didn't love this coaching staff. And you can say, you know, as as many people do, well, why don't you hold the players accountable? And like setting aside for a second that no one actually ever says what they mean when they say that, like, what do you want to do? Like trade every player, scratch every player, like summarily execute them, like hold the players accountable to do like in what sense? Like it's hockey. They've got contracts. Like if you want to trade everybody, okay, we maybe maybe they should trade everybody. But that conversation is going to happen further down
0: the line. Send them to their rooms and let them think about what they've done. <laughs> Make them think about what they've done. Just sit in the corner for 25 minutes, TK, and just ponder your very existence.
1: We're going to put in the whole Phantoms lineup instead of you guys. Ian Perrier is going to come up. They're going to lose 8 to nothing, and you're <laughs> going to like it.
0: That's not that far off from what happened against the Cowboys. No, it, yeah, I,
1: I said that make it sound ridiculous, and then I remembered: a) they lost seven to one the other day, so, and then you know, b) they lost an actual NHL game nine to nothing last year with basically the same team.
0: Well, and then they they let up another seven goals, and Ian Le Perrier came up. So, <laughs> <laughs> at least part of that equation is true. They want to give this, a, or it seems like they want
1: to really be sure that this. I mean, I think Chuck Fletcher. My guess, and I don't have you know concrete concrete reporting suggest like that says like this is definitely what chuck fletcher thought my guess is you know chuck fletcher and it's it's a little funny every time chuck fletcher as he did multiple times yesterday get at gets asked during a press conference to answer for the last 10 years of flyers hockey he's like guys i've been here two three years like i I haven't been here that long and like people want chuck fletcher to answer for the sins of like ron hextall and paul holmgren before him
0: That was so funny throughout the press conference the other day, or yesterday, when he's just like throwing up his hands like, I don't know, dude, I've been here for like two minutes. Like, what do you want me to do? I can't go back and make Ron like shit be you know like take Kale know.
1: McCarr instead of Nolan Patrick
0: I Right. Mean. Like I think we all would go back and do that if we could. Like if we could send a time traveler right now, like if we could send mm. Bishop back and he could go set all this in motion, yeah we'd do it, but we can't do that. We, we simply do not have the technology to get Kale McCarr at this point. Who completely unpantsed Ivan Proverov I was in that gonna say
1: that was bad.
0: that was that was so upsetting. Why did I just, why did
1: I, I, I wanna, I'll want i get back to my point in a second here. Why did Provorov skate towards Justin Braun on that play? Like, the Flyers had a one-on-two, and obviously Kamelkar is an incredible talent. Like, he makes guys miss. But they were in position to cover that, as anyone who has a one-on-two is. But, like, why did Provorov skate towards his own man away from the guy with the puck? I don't think he should have did that
0: <laughs> you think he chose poorly there i think he did i i that that play i ah, just that was rough if the season had ended there i would have been fine with that have been like, yep, i just yep, didn't yep. no, want to watch no coming anymore. back from this yeah there's no coming back from that it's just like i, I just i'll never look at Ivan have the same <laughs> because not only did he get completely undressed on that he got completely undressed by a defenseman on that yeah a really good one but a defenseman <laughs> A defenseman, nonetheless. Like, if Nathan McKinnon did that to him, you go, of course, it's Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon. But, like, and again, Kale McCarr is one of the most exciting offensive defensemen I I think we've seen in years, if Mm. not ever, right? Like, he's absolutely unbelievable. But to have a defenseman just undress you like that is just so, just awful. I, I, it
1: It was real. R.I.P.D. Provy yeah okay so so back to back to the point i was trying to get at there before i started talking about kale mccarr um so chuck fletcher you know again gets asked about all this stuff but he you know he got here december 2018 right after they fire hackstall he gets in in the middle of a season where everything's on fire fires day, then well not intended but then he fires Dave Hextall. hackstall uh trade simmons and like he you know spends the rest of the season trying to get things in order that summer he makes some changes you know he Trades Gudis for Niskanen in hindsight, obviously an awesome trade. Gets Kevin Hayes. Can you know can quibble over whether they should have paid him that contract or how long he's going to be worth it, but an objective upgrade. Traded for Justin Braun. Probably gave up too much, but he's a good player and you know still has been a reasonably good player. Maybe tailing off a little bit, but like he is a competent NHL defenseman. And brings in Elaine Vigneault to coach these guys. And that season, lest we forget, they were really good. And I think that season has also been kind of retconned into well they had two good months no they had two months where they were the best team in the NHL over the whole season they finished what was it sixth in the standings they were i think 13th on like in early january before they went on that like 19 and 4 and 2 run to end the season or whatever it was
0: they were a very good team that year they were a team that looked pretty good that that looked like everything clicked into place all of a sudden the speed bumps that they hit were early on in the
1: year when they had a weird travel schedule, when they went from Europe to the West coast, all while they were trying to learn a new coach's system. And then in December, when they found out one of their teammates had cancer and like other, and which was shortly followed by the Disney on ice trip, which is always terrible. Other than really those two stretches, that was a good team that entire season. And Chuck Fletcher saw that. And he's like, all right, so we we got something to cook with here. Then, you know, they go to the bubble, things fall apart a little bit. He lets the team. And so he, you know, he, he makes the gamble in the off-season, almost said summer of 2020, then remembered that the off season that year was in the fall. Time continues to be fake. <laughs> he, he makes the gamble that, like, no, this team's good. Like, this team, like, we don't need to make real big changes to this team. And, like, I want to see – and I think that what they did last year, they can do again, even without Matt Niskanen. Guess what? They didn't. Like, they didn't do it. It didn't work. And so at that point, Fletcher's seen one good season and one bad season. And the good season – was normal and the bad season was like the weird season where you know players can't hang out with each other and they play the same seven teams and they play like four games a day or whatever the fuck that schedule was they alternate between playing the buffalo sabers and the boston bruins every day and like he looks at those two seasons and i think what he did here he looked at those two seasons and said well they were doing all right during the normal one and it was the bad one that with without the normal stuff where they looked bad I'm fine taking a chance on this roster again. I'm fine taking a chance on this base of talent again. We need to make some changes, which he, which is why, you know, I'm going to go get Ryan Ellis. I'm going to go get and I'm going to trade Jake Voracek for another winger who does something different. That's why he decided to make those changes, but he thought this team was it. like, he thought that like, these were the changes that were going to put this team in position to contend for something. I don't, who knows? Like if you hook him up to a lie detector, or you give him truth serum, I don't know what he thought this team's ultimate ceiling was, but I am sure that he thought that this group was at least going to be a good team. So far, they ain't that. Like, they ain't that. Other than the goaltending for a month, and, you know, since then, Carter Hart and Martin Jones have both cooled off a bit. Not say this is their fault, but they have. But, like, other than the goaltending for the first month of the year, like, nothing about this team's been good. And Fletcher isn't going to sit here and say, well, obviously I'm wrong after 20 games or, you know, and... I I will grant this to the people who have said it's a little frustrating when he kept talking about well those first 10 games were good the last 10 have been bad like I don't know there were some problems in the first 10 games too but he's not going to sit here and say after a quarter of the season yeah obviously I was wrong because if he does that his ass is grass and he knows that <laughs> so he so he wants to give this team one more shot with a different coach and if the next and my guess I again I'm totally guessing here is The next few months are going to be an evaluation process for, you know, this whole group. And even in, you know, in Canadian Mike, not not to be confused with French Mike, Canadian Mike, because (laughs) we're not going
0: with English Mike. We're going Canadian Mike.
1: No, no, because if maybe he and, you know, this might be self-preservation and there are also probably fire fans who don't want to hear this. But if he sees progress from this team, he starts to see the team that he thinks he, you know, he got last summer. He sees Ryan Ellis come back and all of a sudden they can break out the puck. He sees a team where, you know, the the forwards, where all of the top nine forwards aren't playing below expectation and shooting like 4%, again, not to not to make excuses, the team's obviously been bad, but they've been a little unlucky too. And if he sees that, he may say, I don't know, we, we could give this another shot. And I'm sure people don't want to hear that, and I'm sure, and they might be right, because this might have been the final acknowledgement that this group probably ain't it. And again, like the this group, as I make air quotes, um, is it scare quotes or air quotes? It's air um, quotes. OK, yeah. Um, Like this group has like gets a nebulous definition, depending on who you're talking about. Like people make it sound like th- it's been the same 12 people that have been here for the last decade. <laughs> when again, as Fletcher pointed out yesterday, it's really just been Drew and Kateria who have been here for the last decade and are still here.
0: And they really don't seem like the guys to complain about.
1: Well, you'd be surprised.
0: Oh, I wouldn't be surprised because no, I've been be. no, seeing the be. same. you would be. a lie. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the same complaints on Twitter for years now. And I I'll always remember the guy who, before Sean Couturier broke out offensively, it was like, Couturier, what does he even do? That guy has <laughs> never left my mind. The only time. I had photo credentials at a game and I was standing in the tunnel taking photos that were never used on any website for the Flyers, except for maybe flyperbally.com. But it, it it really, you know, wouldn't surprise me. This fan base has never... I'm not speaking for everybody. Obviously, there are people who very much value what Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux bring to the ice. But And this also goes back to what I was talking about with Eamon, though, is while these are both great players, these maybe aren't the guys that can kind of... uh uh, break the game open for you in a way that you look at guys like Pasternak, you look at Stamkos or Kucherov, you know, like uh, the sure. real big stars in this league, like an Ovechkin, like they, they have very nice players, but they don't really have game breakers. They don't really have people that can light the world on fire and carry the team. Claude Giroux has carried the team. Don't get me wrong, but he can only do so much. And look, I mean, they're the core, sure. But like the, the, Biggest additions we've had on top of them are Jake Voracek, who is the king of assists and surliness. And let's see, Scott Hartnell scored goals for like, what, two years, pretty much. Yager was here for literally a year and just helped Scott Hartnell score a lot of goals. And Wayne Simmons obviously scored a butt ton of goals. But Wayne Simmons is, again, a great supplemental player. He's a guy who brings grit and heart and he's awesome on the power play. But... Eddie, yeah, he'll beat the shit out of guys. I love Wayne Simmons. But none of these guys are really guys to get you over the hump. And you could really argue that's what the Flyers have needed over this past decade or so. I mean, the last time the Flyers went to a Stanley Cup final, it was because they had a guy who gets you over the hump. And that was one Chris Pronger, the just biggest, one of the biggest badasses to ever patrol a blue line right there. And a guy who could drag you places that y- you really couldn't get otherwise
1: yeah and to 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 speak about that a little bit like first of all i don't we don't need to get into the whole like no oh, it's called the problem ar- or argument like he's not but like i think that there are some people who could be well served to understand that there is a big difference between first of all Could these two guys be the two best players on a cup contender? And if the answer to that is no, and let's be honest, look, Claude Drew and Trunkterre are both really, really, really good players. They are both first-line caliber NHL players even today. Right now, if they are your two best players, you're not going to win a Stanley Cup. Right now, that is true. Right now, that's true. But like they've been, Drew's been the best player on the team for a decade. Kateria has been right there with him for like the last five years. But like there is a big difference between these two players can't be the two best players on a Stanley Cup up winning team or con- cup contending team. And these two players aren't good enough and are there for the problem. If they are first line players, guess what? It's real fucking hard to find a first line player in the National Hockey League. And, the, and usually teams that try to cast away their first line players don't end up better off for it. Like name me a team that got that like, pointed to one of its two or one of its like two or three best players said, this guy's the fucking problem, got rid of them and became better off for it. Like the, I feel like we had this conversation last year in Slack because we have this conversation every year because people, because <laughs> we keep doing this. And I feel like the only example we were able to think of, and if someone has a good example, like I'm, I'm open to being told I'm wrong here, but if someone has a good example, the best one that I think came up was the lease trading Phil Kessel. And even that, and you know, it should be pointed out, Phil Kessel went to a good team where he was, where he got to be like the fourth best forward. And then that team won two Stanley cups. Oh yeah. Now granted, you know, they, they also had two, now that team had two generational talents and also the team that traded Phil Kessel got better because they, you know, got a bunch of those players, which leads me to another thing that like, I don't know how else to fit this in this conversation, but we were talking about it the other night and I just, there, And I just want to say it, and no one wants to say it out loud because it sounds like it's making an excuse for the people that are running this team and the people who have made bad decisions and the players that are on the ice that keep doing poorly. But the single biggest reason that the Flyers are where they are right now, beyond like bad decisions, of which there have been many, players underperforming, of which there have been many, coaches not doing a good enough job, of which, and we'll talk about them, there have been many. The single biggest reason the Flyers are where they are right now and where they've been for the last decade is because they haven't caught a fucking break. So much of sports is just getting lucky. Like, let's look at the last three teams that the Flyers played and lost and lost to. As we know, the Colorado Avalanche five years ago had one of the had one of the single worst seasons in the National Hockey League that the National Hockey League has seen in the salary cap. They had 48 points in an 82 game season. And then after that season, they finished fourth in the draft lottery. Guess what? They got Cal McCarr fourth in the draft lottery. He might be the best defenseman in the NHL. If they win that draft lottery, they're probably taking Nico Heischer and Owen Patrick, who are, you know, well, Heischer's a good player. Patrick, we're not we're not going to talk about that. But like, we, We've if talked they win about that, draft, that enough. If they win that draft lottery, they're probably worse off for it now. And But, like, they make that pick. It becomes aces. And then the year before that, they signed Nathan McKinnon, who hadn't really taken off yet. and was, like, at that point, like a good second-line center to an eight-year contract that pays him like a second-line center. And then... 2 years later he becomes one of the five best players in the NHL and all of a sudden you've got like a surplus of value to work with that they have to their credit taken full advantage of that's one team then you look at Tampa Bay on Sunday night Tampa Bay's in t- if you look at Tampa Bay's top 6 players from um from their like their, their top 6 forwards from their um from their Stanley Cup winning team in the playoffs last year this, the 6 forwards who had the most ice time who had the most average ice time per game Five of those players are players that they drafted beyond the first round. Um, I had a list. Believe it or not, I was I was writing this. Um, they had... Wow. um Let me... I'm um, going to start naming names here for a second here. Um, of their top six forward by ice time, Braden Point was drafted in the third round. Nikita Kucherov was drafted in the second round. Yanni Gore was an undrafted player. Alex Killorn was drafted in the third round. Barkley Goudreau they traded for, which, you know, good move. And Anthony Sorelli was drafted in the third round. They built an entire top six in an absurdly deep team of players that weren't drafted in the first round. That's not how it's supposed to go that. And like, obviously Tampa is clearly doing something right in scouting. They deserve a lot of credit for that, but to hit on that many picks in a row like that involves like a, a lot of luck, like again, not to take it's it away absurd. from them, but it's also you've got to get lucky. And then to go back one more game to that game against the team in the train station in New York, the only place you can get pizza and bagels, as we know, um, <laughs> Wednesday last week, the New York Rangers, you know, they wrote their, they, you know, went, they kind of went for it with the Lane Pignot with their head coach. Didn't work. Um, they wrote that letter in 2018 saying, Hey, we're gonna rebuild. Please hold. We'll come back soon. And in the in between 2017 and 2020, they drafted number seven, number nine, number two, and number one. And they have got almost their current NHL roster is getting very little from those picks. Number seven pick, they traded. Leah Anderson, they traded him for a second round pick. Number nine was Vitaly Kravsov, and he is off in Russia asking for a trade. Number two, The number two was Capo Caco, who is a solid middle six NHL player right now. And number one is Alexi Lafreniere, who is like a solid middle six NHL player right now. And granted, those last two are almost certainly going to get better. But right now, they aren't really, you know, they aren't what you would have hoped from those picks
0: yet. Oh, yeah. Lafreniere in particular was supposed to be a superstar. He was supposed to come in and be an absolute stud.
1: And I think he's going to be really good, but like it clearly has not popped for him yet. And yet, and yet, the Rangers are like second in the NHL in the standings, like in in terms of points, not because of any of those guys, because the, you know, because the best player to hit unrestricted free agency in probably the salary cap era decided he wanted to play in New York. And because a defenseman that was drafted by Calgary in 2016, who might be the best defenseman in the NHL, grew up on Long Island and was a Ranger season ticket holder and said, I only want to play for this team. They fucked up several times and because they caught some breaks that they weren't really supposed to, that no one really thought they were going to get, they're a really good team. now. Teams that win and teams that reach like sustainable contender status, they get a lot of breaks or they get a break. They get a single fucking break. And the last break the Flyers got, depending on, I guess, Sean Couturier at number eight, maybe because he was going to be a top five pick in that draft before he got mono, but, like, really, the last, like, franchise-changing break that the Flyers got was probably getting Claude Drew a franchise talent at the 22nd pick in the draft. And as we know, they didn't want Claude Drew in that draft, as evidenced by the fact that their general manager could not pronounce his name. And then, you know, to your point here, we were talking about those deep, fly- like, we were talking about, you know, the la- the f- team that had Chris Pronger. Guess what? Claude Drew was as awesome then as he was now. He maybe just a little less awesome, but he was really awesome then. He was on that team's third line. Why do you think that team made a Stanley Cup final? Because they were good everywhere. Because they, they had good, good everywhere. players
0: everywhere. They built a great team and they were good everywhere. And let's, you know, and let's also, we will be remiss not to mention the team that they lost to that cup and say what you will about, you know, the character. Set of the guy the rest I'm it, talking yes. about, Set yes. aside the rest of it. But objectively speaking, in that 2007 draft, the Flyers were the worst team in the NHL and the one year... That there is a generational talent that could actually fall to the Flyers. The Flyers get number two. And that generational talent goes to Chicago and changes that franchise. Absolutely alters the course of that franchise. And as much as I love James Van Riemsdyk, he ain't no Patrick Kane. Nope.
1: Again, setting aside the fact that I don't want to root for Patrick Kane. Like, I get what you're... Yes, you're...
0: But he's a generational talent. Yes. He he might be the best American-born hockey player of all time. You know, it's awful. Right, but, yeah. like, that is... You're talking about Flyers' luck, and that is, I think, the the, the biggest pivotal point of Flyers' unluckiness, mm-hmm. maybe in the history of the franchise.
1: Yeah, that very well could be. But that, or getting Nolan Patrick at second overall in that... Kane is probably Absolutely. worse, but Patrick if, in
0: that draft, and, like... If you get Pedersen like, or there's... McCarr, you are... You know, we're over the moon right now, especially if McCarr. But, yeah. like, getting Nolan Patrick of those top four is just such typical Flyers bullshit mm-hmm. luck. And it's just, this is why we're all bitter and hate everything. Like this, it, the shit like this, this is a franchise that just does not have any luck. And yeah, it sounds mm-hmm. like whining about look, And we're going to whine a little bit. We have every right like to oh, yeah. whine because look what we've been watching for years upon years. I mean, this team hasn't won a cup since the mid seventies. Most of us weren't alive for yeah, that. I've heard about that. And, yeah. I hadn't heard about that. Certainly not in wow. the cold eating town out West. Oh wow. But like, I'm getting like this is actually the first time I've had feelings about the Flyers in weeks. I'm actually pissed off. Wow, yeah. how did yeah. we get here? You how did, did it, Kurt. It? You brought emotion back to me.
1: <laughs> to to close this point out, there's been a fair bit of like, for understandable reasons, sort of relitigation of the Ron Hextall era, given you know the the developments of the last few days and weeks and months and 2 degree years, because um you know the team this team is mostly people he drafted and it ain't been good enough and like look you look at the guys he drafted uh, i mean you look at his first round picks other than the the germ who's probably just bad
0: the germ getting infected
1: and and jay o'brien who may probably ain't gonna be it but like i totally that, pretty much that all too. of hex draft picks like his first rounders are nhl players and like most of them are pretty productive or reasonably productive ones but like none of them have popped like they've all hit like the 50th percent outcome for what you would expect. like. Ivan Provorov as a seventh overall pick is a guy who might be a top pair defenseman might be. We still don't really know. Travis Konechny as a 24th overall pick. He probably, yeah, he's probably above percentage for that outcome, but like he's a good sec. He's a top six slash good second line winger. Travis Hanheim probably a second pair defenseman. Joel Farabee might have time to outperform the 14, 14- his slot at the 14th overall pick, but we-, we still don't quite know what his ceiling is. Morgan Frost looks good. And, I, I enjoy the fact that he's the one guy on the team who doesn't look like he's had all of the life beaten out of him, but it's still early.
0: Oh my God, that picture of Claude Giroux from yesterday. Oh my God. Like, just, it y- you can just hear the sound awful. of silence. In your head looking into those eyes. Hello, darkness, mm-hmm. Claude's old friend. It's just yeah. so painful. It's just up there with the the images of Claude Giroux over the years where you can just see the pain building up in his eyes. Good lord, there's no way this man's a flyer next year, just, and it's just depressing.
1: He's just waiting to get traded to those Ottawa Senators, baby.
0: <laughs> Claude, you can do better, bud. Hold out for anybody else. Anybody else.
1: Basically, like, those guys are all decent, but, like, nothing's popped. No one has really popped beyond expectation. And to get to the point you need, like, you need a pop. You need something to go that, you know, some because balancing an NHL roster is full of contradictions and things that aren't all supposed to work at the same time. Like, you're supposed to draft players and develop them, but you're also supposed to have veterans, but you're not supposed to pay the veterans too much and, like, and by the and then like you need players that can succeed and play really well while while they're on the entry level contracts but then when they but then you only got like a couple years while they're all on those deals and you're probably not going to win during that one year because any given team is probably not going to win the Stanley Cup in a given year or two and then you got to pay all those guys so you have to lose other guys and like it's it's a cycle that when you take all of the things you as a team are supposed to do into account it's really hard to do all of it unless you get lucky like multiple times and Again, not to excuse the Flyers because they've made some picks that, you know, weren't good enough. They've made some decisions that probably weren't right. They, you know, their top talent, well, good NHL players are probably not good enough. And certainly at this point, at this point in time in 2021, not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. But they haven't caught a break. And it's hard to win when you can't catch any breaks.
0: No breaks, Scott. And unfortunately, you know, everything you mentioned there when I was talking with Eamon about this being a a B, B B-plus team on their best day, that goes back to these draft picks where I really like all these guys, but none of them are really breakthrough talents that are going to elevate your team to the next level. And I don't even know where to get a guy like that unless you're getting incredibly lucky.
1: Yeah, and like... it's hard, because you look at the defense, and if if you squint, you can see, like, what Chuck Fletcher was thinking. And, well, you don't even need squint. You can see what he's thinking. If Ryan Ellis is healthy, and if and if Rasmus Raston is the player that he thinks he is, then you've got a first pair and a second pair. And then the third pair shouldn't be that hard to find, though Keith Yandel and Nick Sealer are... Not- playing good hockey they might not
0: be good when yandel has Braun in there he can pass because Braun can do enough of the defensive leg work there and that lets yandel concentrate on his offense and the few games we saw ryan ellis were magical it was amazing that dude can play that dude can play that was the best flyers defenseman i've probably seen since chris pronger he is well maybe chemo teaming i'll give chemo teaming in that i don't want to disrespect chemo teaming mostly because that's a guy who could probably come and even though he's shorter than me could kick my ass, but I, I, he's just so smooth. He's so good. So you can totally see that, but you want to talk about lack of luck. Ryan Ellis has barely played this year yep. and Kevin Hayes started out the year hurt and just the injuries have piled up and that hasn't helped. And just everything has gone wrong this year. It really has. Like we had a couple games where things were fun and it was great. And just everything has broken down and, and, yeah, this is not the first time I've said this in the past 10 years. It Mm-mm. absolutely is not. And it, ugh, we're all tired.
1: Yeah. And, like, like you can see how it would make sense. You take a guy at the top, and everyone slots down just one spot, and all of a sudden, everything makes a little more sense. And, unfortunately, like, we didn't get a chance to see that, and now it might just be too late. Like, because you're you're not going to find a Ryan Ellis of forwards either like you're not going to be able to pull another trade like that because guys like that don't get traded unless they're unless they you know have some risks involved as you know Ryan Ellis clearly did but yeah um yeah it's 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 tough
0: I haven't seen many championships within my lifetime which is really sad because I'm not that far from 40
1: those two were really fun
0: when I think to those two you talk about luck. You think about things breaking your way. And those two are prime examples of that. The Phillies have been knocking at the door of the playoffs for years. And they have one magical year where a closer that hadn't been that good has a perfect year,
1: right? And and then after that, he was bad too. And it doesn't matter because he was 48 for 48 that year.
0: Exactly. but And a rotation that consisted of Cole Hamels... Brett Myers, who, you know, you want to talk about shitheads, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jamie Moyer, Joe Blanton, and Adam Eaton, that rotation manages to to be good enough in the playoffs. Cole Hambles was spectacular, and but the rest of the guys were, like, good enough that they go in this miracle run and win the World Series. Like, that really broke the Phillies' way, and I mean, granted, there was a lot of great team building in there, but you know, you think about it of all those Phillies teams, the one that was the least stacked pitching wise was the one that actually broke through and won the world series. And
1: yeah, that team got better and they kept getting eliminated earlier,
0: but they also had the closer broke. just perfect for one year, yeah. completely perfect. What are the odds of that? And then if we look at the Eagles fairy tale run, the Eagles had no goddamn business winning that Super Bowl over Tom Brady with Nick Foles. It still doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. Did did Tom Brady do anything of note during that game? Did he
1: like did he
0: did he like drop a, a pass in that game? Oh, I think he might have. And I think Nick Foles might have caught one Philly special. And the Eagles won 41-33. Oh well. Wow. And didn't Brady like fumble late in the game with, with the game on the line? Oh yeah, I think Brandon Graham might have knocked it out. <gasps> Yeah, I miss, Brand- I miss brandon graham i do too and the eagles defense certainly does but like that is a season <laughs> that that's the whole uh, the defense completely broke down once he went they were actually looking pretty good and then brandon graham's out and they look like shit but anyway i digress Sorry, sorry. but
1: eagle's brain eagle's
0: brain <laughs> eagle's brain but the thing is that season once Wentz goes down we all thought it was over and for good reason because Foles came in And he looked like shit for a couple games. He looked absolutely terrible. And he even looked terrible in the Falcons game. And a lot of people forget that.
1: Yeah, first half of that Falcons game, he was bad. And then... Nick
0: Nick Foles plays the two... Maybe the two best games a quarterbacks played. And they happen to be the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Certainly the two best games in Philadelphia Eagles quarterback history, which is not good. But it's just, like, that broke the right way it just yep. happened to. And yep. that's, that's, I mean, you know, like you look at Tampa Bay, I think Amon was talking about this the other day where Tampa Bay has had an amazing roster for years and they only just broke through within the last two years.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean, team, you know, teams, that, a lot of teams that build the right way, like, you know, they never can, you know, they can never win the big one until they do. And, you know, it's a related, it's, it's tough because like, you know, the, the comparison I've heard made was the capitals who, you know, never broke through the second round until, and you know, you heard a lot about how Alex Vetch can can't lead a team to the second, like past the second round until they didn't won the Stanley cup. And like, I don't want to make that comparison because like the flyers haven't been what the capitals were even before they broke through. And like, I mean, I saw, I saw like someone pointed out that during Connor McDavid's time with the Edmonton Oilers, like they have won as many playoff series as Claude Drew has during that time. like, no, but you know we're not going to sit here and say that the Flyers are in as good a spot as the Oilers are, or that make or that like Drew and Kateriare, McDavid, cycle. But like, you can't evaluate a team. You can't evaluate a team based on that. But like, now I'm getting back to the older point, and like I want to stick to this one. And that, but, like, but the point,
0: you point is, you have to like,
1: get lucky, like, right. and those teams, you know, you have like, to get
0: lucky. But the the point also is the big question right now is what do we do with this team that we have been living with in some iteration for the past like 10 years because you know certainly a lot of names have changed right but the overall talent level has remained in that like b range that mid range where yep. this is a meat this is a team that's been mediocre for a while and that's because the talent is all you know it caps off at a certain point and i don't even know what the solution is to that beyond tank it out, trust in the process, and nobody wants to do that, but people also want to do that. It's a conundrum. And what do you do? Do you sell Claude Giroux? Do you move on from that? Like, do you sell pretty much everybody that's not Therabee, Konechny, and even that's questionable, and Couturier, right? Like, your main building block at this point is Sean Couturier and Carter Hart.
1: Carter Hart, yeah, but, yeah, point remains. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to they're not going to do anything right now like i know there are people who are like why don't you just start tearing it down right now like they're not going to do that teams don't teams don't start tearing it down 20 games into the season like unless unless someone you know calls up chuck fletcher and offers some bonkers offer for a player like they're not going to they're not going to start you know tearing everything down and saying let's let's start over now they're going to use i imagine the time between now and like the olympic break to see like if they still think they have something and whether they need to do like an even more aggressive retooling or if they need to just try it again or like really start from scratch and then i imagine if things don't get meaningfully better then during the olympic break they have some hard conversations but who knows who knows first they got to figure out and it's what makes the whole coaching conversation tricky because do you do you bring in, like, do you just keep Mike Yo around until you, you know, until you've made that decision? Like, if are you really going to bring in a new coach right now? If you think there's a chance you're going to tear it down, like, do you just leave Mike Yo here for that in case you do? Or like, if they play well, do you have a choice, but to give Mike Yo a little, like bit longer, a leash? I don't know. Like, there's a lot they have to balance there. I don't envy Chuck Fletcher having to make these decisions, but also if he had done a better job he wouldn't have to be making them
0: gotta do a better job
1: ah time's yours, time's yours. so with elaine vigno gone you've got a fun question here steve how does elaine vigno rank amongst recent flyers coaches
0: yeah so i gathered data from the past 20 years of flyers coaches so basically from from bill barber to now which actually works out almost perfectly Oh, maybe, you know, slightly. It's like 21 years with Bill Barber in there because Bill Barber was hired on December 10th, 2000. In the year 2000. That's
1: very, uh, I don't want to say symmetrical, but like, it's, you know, that's real close.
0: Yeah, it's real close. And, you know, we've had a number of coaches since then. So just to run them down, we've had Bill Barber, Ken Hitchcock, John Stevens, Sheetcake Stevens. Peter LaViolette getting out the jam. Peter Chief, Lama. Chef, Craig Baruby, whatever you want to call him. He's got a nickname with a C, an H, an E, and an F. Dave Haxtall, everybody's favorite. Wind, surf, and hack. Scott Gordon doing his interim splits. And, of course, Big Al, RIPD, Elaine Vigneault, and half of his ass crew. But, by
1: the way, r- real quickly, I'm sorry to interrupt. If, you, if you're, if you you know, saying, well, Claude Drew's ripped through six coaches, and you're counting Scott Gordon in that Fuck you. Like the dude's in the dude was an interim coach. There was never any chance he was gonna get the job beyond
0: that. Come on, Scott come on, Gordon like was a cardboard cutout who was behind the bench, basically. That's no disrespect to Scott Gordon, but that's what he was. There was no chance in hell Scott Gordon was getting that job. No, full time. Claude
1: Drew did not get Scott Gordon fired.
0: Like, get your head out of your ass if you're saying like your that. Anyway, sorry,
1: ass. as as you were,
0: as you were. I, I don't think, you know, Claude Drew didn't get any of these friggin' guys fired. They all got themselves fired, and we can mm-hmm. especially say that about a couple of these guys. And I, no more revisionist history on Craig Berube, okay? Yeah, the guy won a cup in St. Louis, but he stunk here. He stunk. Totally possible. He just got better as a head coach.
1: Like he was, he was, you know, a hot coaching prospect during. That's why the Flyers, what, why the Flyers were part of why the Flyers were ready to can LaViolette when they did. They, they clearly liked him.
0: That was my favorite was that it, he was a legitimate coaching like name out there that was coming up in the ranks. And it was a good old friend of the show, Mike Sielski, who had written one of those scathing, like, all oh, typical Flyers hire an alumni, blah, 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 bullshit things. Like Craig Berube was an up and comer in the world of coaching. It was a legitimate hire.
1: And I mean, look, not to not to criticize the decision to fire Craig Berube, but it, it maybe more than any of these other guys, it should be pointed out, those teams were not good. Like <laughs> that defense, his his last year here. Oh my goodness! Oof, Braden Coburn was their best defenseman. Yeah. Oh, what a what a timeline we live in.
0: What a timeline we live in.
1: No, but that doesn't mean he was good, because he was one of those guys who's like, eh, Sean Couturier, he might be bad. Let's see here, who's...
0: I have some quick facts here, some quick stats. Sure, yeah, yeah, hit me. So let, let's start with... I can with read
1: the outline too, but yeah.
0: <laughs> best playoff win percentage here. That would go, belong to Elaine Vigneault, who also happens to have the best playoff win percentage that's, of Flyers history. That's
1: objectively hilarious that he has the best playoff win percentage. I assume that has to, that has to count the, uh, the
0: round-robin games, right? It has to, right? Because I think I saw 10 games for... For Vigneault, he, there because
1: in in the one year he was in the playoffs, if you don't count those, he was four and two in that Canadian series, and then three and four in that in the Islanders series. So yeah, that has to be counting the round robin games, which yeah, which is you a know. joke. Right? But even That's if you don't joke. include the, but even if you don't include those, the next closest is Hitchcock here with five fourteen. So my guess is Elaine Vigneault probably still
0: has the best of any of these guys, which is so fucking funny. It's really funny. And uh, yeah, Terry Murray would happen to have the second best uh, choking percentage there. I'm sorry, winning percentage there. Choking. But it was a it was certainly a choke. Job. I mean, you know what? You should have kept Terry Murray. Unjust firing. I will. Hot takes from 1997. Mm. But uh, yeah, Elaine Vigneault and then Ken Hitchcock at 514 and then Lava Laviolette at 511. As for most playoff wins, that belongs to Peter Laviolette, who has 23. And I imagine most of them came in one run right there. And then it's uh, Ken Hitchcock with 19, 14, I guess John Stevens with 11, 11 wonderful sheet cake victories, and Elaine Vigneault with 10. And then as far as the regular season goes, Bill Barber had a 621 winning percentage, Ken Hitchcock, 614, Peter Laviolette, 586. Most regular season wins belongs to Peter Laviolette with 145, Dave Haxtall with 134, Ken Hitchcock 131, John Stevens 120, and then... For shits and giggles, I threw the worst playoff percentage in there. Worst playoff win percentage. Bill Barber with a measly 273 playoff win percentage. Followed by Dave Hackstall 333 win percentage for Dave Hackstall in the playoffs. Then Craig Berube, 429, and John Stevens, 478. And yeah, they're among the worst in Flyers history. All those guys right there.
1: Mm. It's been a weird decade. I wish I had something more exciting to say about it than that, but it's been a weird decade and two decades, I guess, because we're rolling back to a, into the, you know, the barber Hitchcock Stevens era here. Let's see here. I, when I was a kid, I think the flyers were the last or the flyers were probably the last team that I hooked onto in the city as I was kids. Like I, I wasn't really that into him in the barber era. It was probably Hitchcock was when I started watching more. I, I, I'm not going to attempt to speak much to, to him. I guess it's the other guys beyond him. In terms of objective success, I mean, you know, if, if we gauge this in terms of Stanley Cups or proximity to Stanley Cups, you know, Lava was probably the best one, though, you know, he, he the peaks with him were the highest, but it all, you know, fell apart. Well, I'd say it fell apart relatively quickly there, but then they were good the next year. And then they, you know, despite Holmgren, you know, taking a C4 to the team the summer after that, they were still pretty good the following year. It and then, you know, and then Holmgren truly lost his mind that summer. And, you know, traded JVR for Luke Shen, lost Matt Carl for nothing, lost your army for nothing, tried to get Shea Weber, didn't get Shea Weber. And uh, yeah, and then the team got bad and it's impossible to figure out why.
0: And what was it? Three games in that he fired Peter? Lockyer? Three games,
1: three games uh, after a 40, after a 48 game season where uh, noted luminaries such as uh, Bruno Gervais and Oliver Lordson we're getting a regular and Kent Huskins, Kent motherfucking Ooh. Huskins. We're getting regular minutes for the flyers. Yeah. I, I wonder why it didn't work. with him. And granted, <laughs> like it seemed like it didn't seem, you know, it seemed like some of the dynamics that you saw with, with Mignot here, where like he and the players didn't really get along. were probably at play there. And it does seem like he may be a guy who has a shelf life. We sort of saw it in Nashville. We're not seeing it yet in Washington, but he's only in a second year there. But if you're saying who, you know, who's the most accomplished coach of the time we're looking at i think you probably got to go with him so you're going with Bobby i'm, open, I'm open to being convinced otherwise but i think that would be my pick i
0: i feel like i believe this was one of the the fuck episodes that that craig and i did during quarantine uh, the fly purplely under quarantine but like <laughs> i can you know honestly you yeah. do so many podcasts you just forget exactly what your rankings uh. are but like fuck i love that i gotta find a way to bring that back in some some form but i'm gonna find a way there's the next pandemic
1: what oh god oh
0: oh, i think we're living it but yeah laviolette probably is the most accomplished of the bunch hitchcock though i don't know i feel like hitchcock has the the best overall he certainly got a lot out of a team that I, I find in a lot of ways similar to what we're currently dealing with, where they didn't necessarily have any game breakers per se. They had a lot of great parts. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Simone Gagné, Keith Primo, aging John LeClaire. But that's the thing. A lot of aging players, Eric Desjardins, just guys that are older not really noteworthy goaltenders. <laughs> Stop me if you've heard that one before. <laughs> I, I feel like Hitchcock's my number one out of the whole bunch, just because I feel like he really did uh, the most with with the tools he was given. And God, it's still heartbreaking to think about that team uh, losing to the that young, exciting Lightning team in the conference championship. It's just one of the biggest heartbreaks, I think, in, yep. in Flyers history. And
1: that could have been it. That, that, team, one, that one really could have been it.
0: That one really could have been it. And that team was just full of fighters and heart. And it would have been such a, a great storybook tale, especially a lot of people, I, I think, have forgotten just how great it was for Keith Primo to take a step back. I, I think people have interpreted it more as like, oh, Primo just couldn't score like he used to. But Ke- Keith Primo worked with Ken Hitchcock and, you know, he talked about this when I got lucky enough to interview Primo a few years back, but he worked with Ken Hitchcock to really become a a truly great defensive player and a shutdown player. Mm -hmm. And that was such a difference maker. And I really just feel like Hitchcock did so much with the tools he was given. So I probably go Hitchcock and then Laviolette because I think it's undeniable. A guy gets you to a Stanley cup final, regardless of how it ended, like, He's got to be, especially given the results we're talking about from the past 20 years. You have to go with the guys who came close to getting you, getting yeah. you anywhere. Yep.
1: I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that team, that, that lightning team, John Tortorella coached that team. And now people want to bring him back just to make us feel bad.
0: Oh God. I mean, B- Bill and Amon almost talked me into it. Bill and Amon almost talked me into this. it, but
1: I, I do I don't know. Said, tweeted this. Saying like, I, I appreciate how many Flyers fans are honest that they want John Tortorella not because they actually think he's a good coach, but because he'll be very mean to the players, and that's all people want right now. They want someone to just scream at the players.
0: <laughs> Classic Philly, right there. Mm-hmm. Classic Philly. Hey, yeah, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. so the it gets tougher though after after those guys after those because yeah, that's really where uh, the names are not great because like. So you are only got a evaluating Flyers tenure. Right? Only yeah. evaluating so, Flyers so tenure. So Chef does
1: not get credit for his win.
0: He absolutely does not, and I didn't think he was very good as Flyers coach.
1: No, I don't either.
0: Like I think Bill Barber had a lot of good redeeming factors, but obviously his his playoff performance is terrible. But I believe Bill Barber was also dealing with. Ooh, was that the Roman Czech Monarch years? No, 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 because. I got to check. I got to check this out cuz it's it all runs together at a certain point. Mm-hmm. We're also talking about stuff from 20 years ago. So you'll have to forgive me if I don't remember the all the specifics of the Flyers roster from back then. But it's wild. I, I,
1: some of the people on our site probably weren't even alive 20 years ago.
0: Many of the people on our site actually it's it's very distressing. I'm old and I hate it. But it's <laughs> god damn it. God damn it. <laughs> so like fuck you even. At, how about that oh, <laughs> oh he's definitely gonna listen to the oh, he's guy. totally
1: gonna listen to this
0: he's totally gonna listen i, to I this. forget
1: it I, for, I forget how old he is
0: okay so yeah the check team okay yeah um no, he was, uh, yeah he was um the Czech monic team was 0102 so like and check monic mind you has some of the best regular season goaltending numbers of any flyers goalie ever easily but he was not great in the playoffs and those teams weren't great in the playoffs, but is that Bill Barber's fault? I frankly can't remember. I get my time machine and find out. Checkmonic, the, the year,
1: are we thinking about like the, the series where they scored two goals? Cause I feel like that was Barber,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then there was, I'm thinking of demoralizing series losses when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure that one was Barber check, um, which was check or that was the check series. They had that one pretty bad loss to the Sabres, which I think was Hitchcock right after the lockout, if I remember that right. So yeah, that the, the Czech Monic one where they didn't score any goals was Barber.
0: Oh yeah, I'm looking at the the stat lines from that Senator series right now. So
1: game didn't one, two goals. Won nothing.
0: Three goals? Uh two goals, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, man, and we thought they got we got shut enough. out
0: they got shut out which three we do, to, to be nothing. Clear. One, two, three. They got shut out three to nothing three times in that series by the Ottawa Senators.
1: And that's how Bill Math became the Joker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Patrick Lalime was the goaltender oh for God. that Senators team. Patrick Lalim. Yeah, but anyway, so I don't know if I go, I guess I go Barber three, but it's a reluctant three. And then yeah. maybe, maybe she t- kicks Stevens. Super- yeah,
1: I think that's what I do here. Like those teams, you know, Stevens oversaw maybe the worst probably the worst team in flyers history but like obviously everything fell apart like before he or it seemed like things started to fall apart before he got there It's why he got the job when he did
0: he did a good job with the youth for building a lot of youthful players
1: up that team made a huge turnaround the following year and you know they were they were competitive the two years that followed and just ran into yeah. the you know prime age sydney crosby of guinea Mul- or you know entry level contract to your Sydney Crosmer and Gunny Malkin Penguins. Like sucks, but that happens.
0: And would you look at this by the way, John Stevens fired December 4th, 2009. So yeah, we see a little precedent Yeah, this for... is
1: yeah. And and Hackstall, I guess we can I can scroll down a little bit, but his was December 2, right? December 17th. Okay, a little later cuz yeah, he got a yeah. couple weeks after they brought Fletcher in. And then Fletcher was like, "Yeah, I don't really know why you're here." The many winters of our discontent.
0: But John Stevens, I I think he was a good overall coach and you know a, a good guy. I I he always liked John Stevens, and I don't know. I fe- I felt bad for John Stevens a lot of the time. Like he's a
1: cromulent he, hockey coach, like perfectly
0: cromulent hockey coach, right there. So I think I go Stevens then, and then here's where your tough questions. <laughs> you
1: have to pick all the recent ones. Then oh god.
0: Well, okay. So where does Elaine Vigneault fall? This is so. This is interesting. Like. With Dave Hackstall
1: and Craig Berube, it it seemed like it was easy to point to the things that they were that like they were doing bad because like Hackstall, as Bill has famously said, he thought the good players were bad and the bad players were good. Craig Berube had some of that, but he also like, I don't know, it just seemed like he said dumb shit every day. His handling of his goalies was bad.
0: Yes, that's where I had a lot of problems with Berube. I felt like he had a very bad relationship with Steve Mason.
1: Yeah, the Mason stuff, like the, the stuff that came out about Mason, like it wasn't good. Granted, though, then you get to Elaine Vigneault and, you know, what happened last year with him sort of rolling Carter hard under the bus midseason obviously did not go over well with the team. And it seemed like there's been speculation. That's been one of the things that really led to the locker room kind of turning on him. But I mean, if you, you know, if we try and evaluate by success, he he is the one that lasted the shortest number of games, but he did also win a playoff round. He had the best individual season of any of these three. But yeah, you probably got to go with him. I feel like you got to pick him. Like he had the best record of the team, had the most playoff success, best individual season. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't say that with a ton of like enthusiasm. None of these are particularly good options.
0: Should we strike Gordon from the record here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, he, yeah, he can so.
1: he can split his way out of here.
0: All right. So the ultimate question: who was the worst Flyers coach? Craig Baruby or Dave Haxtall?
1: Oh, God. Oh, that's a real question, isn't it? Um
0: I mean, hmm. I guess you gotta go with Haxtall. It's it's tough, though, because like Baruby was certainly harsher with his players, had a worse locker room, but like Hackstall was just so Dull and mediocre, but you know, hey, uh, so I'm it's better winning Hack.
1: percentage. I'm going to pick Hack because he, well, for actually, no, I'm going to pick Hack somewhat confidently. The joke I was going to make was, well, we had to watch him longer, but like his, the teams he had, well, I'm not going to sit here and act like they were the Tampa Bay Lightning, were better than the ones Garubi had. And like, I think a lot about that 17, 18 season when Claude Drew should have won the Hart Trophy, Sean Couturier should have won the Selkie. And the Flyers still needed a win on the last day of the playoffs to get into the season or to or the last day of the season to get into the playoffs because like they got nothing from two thirds that lineup. Like, do you know how hard it is to almost miss the playoffs when you have two guys, when the two best players on your team are playing as well as those guys were that year? And like, and again, like, yeah, the the talent wasn't great, but when those guys weren't playing, he had no, like that team had nothing. And I th- I thought it was, like underperforming and like they got worse down the stretch. They brought in another goal and like, you know, obviously the goal, like they had trouble with the goalies in that time. Like Brian Elliott shouldn't have been a starting goalie. And like, that's not hack's fault though. Though it is hack's fault, that. yeah, no, it Dave hack still is the worst flyers coach because he's the only one on this, on this list that would play Brian Elliott, 25 out of 26 games, (laughs) 25 out of 26 games. I will never forget this. Scientific I will proof. never forget this. The guy for who, fun for funsies, he, played, me... he he like didn't play more than forty games. In, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but like he didn't play for like more than forty games in the season for like six years in a row. And the guy plays him in twenty five out of twenty six games, and he gets hurt, and they rush him back, and then he he comes back. They rush him back in time for the playoffs because the guy they traded for sucked, and then he was horrible. And he got hurt again, so he they had to rush him back in time to start the next season. And he was and he was bad, and then got hurt again. I I don't and it, there's no way to like I, I was I was reminiscing about how when they fired Dave Haxtell, I remember seeing some people say, "Well, I mean, if they could just get a save." No, fuck that. The reason they can't get a save <laughs> is because Dave Haxtell tried to break Brian Elliott. And granted, it was Ron Hextall's fault for giving him a tandem of Brian Elliott and McCall Noivert, but Ugh. don't play Brian Elliott 25
0: out of 26 games. Dave Hackstall's the
1: worst. That's my column.
0: <laughs> well put. Well put. Okay, that's scientific evidence. You can't dispute that right there.
1: The the Kraken, to my dismay, are doing a little bit better lately, though. I, I feel like the, the Kraken, they seem like they're going to finish with a cool, like, 87 points and not threaten anyone. They were getting terrible goaltending, and now they're getting slightly less terrible goaltending, but they're not very good. And it seems like they already are starting to dislike Dave Hackstall, which... There was no way to know that was going to happen.
0: That's a shame. Now, for shits and giggles, let me quickly run down the 2013-14 Philadelphia Flyers roster for you, since you were talking about <laughs> a, like, a worse roster. So I'm going to go by, by number of points scored. 13-14, you said? So this was 13, Ruby's 14, yeah. first
1: year. Yes, okay. exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay, so okay. we're just going to we're gonna go by points scored and just work our way down. So Claude Giroux, Jakub Voracek, Wayne Simmons, Scott Hartnell, Mark Strait, Braden Shen, Matt Reed, Sean Couturier, Vincent LeCavalier, Kimo Tiemannan, Michael Roffel, Braden Coburn, Andrej Mazaros, Steve Downey, Nicholas Grossman, Luke Shen, Eric Gustafson, the other Eric Gustafson, Adam Hall, time again, time and time again, Zach Rinaldo, who had a whopping four points that year. Andrew McDonald, Jay Rosehill, Maxime Talbot, Jason Akison, Steve Mason, Chris Newberry, Chris Vandevelde, Ray Emery, Hal Gill, and finally, Cal Heater.
1: California Heater, baby. Um, <laughs> oh, so many names that I have reactions to. I, 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 I've i already forgotten a few of them. I had... I. I now, whenever I think of Le Cavalier, um, I, I remember during the lockout when we were looking for con or not the lockout, excuse me, um, Jesus, though, easy mistake to make. Get during the uh, COVID stoppage last year, uh, when we were looking for content to produce, we were I, I wrote something called what What was your most wrong flyers opinion, and I'm pull- and I've pulled up this article now, and um the the one that I, listed here was. The season preview I wrote of Vincent LeCavalier's season in September 18th, 2013, headlined, If Healthy, Vincent LeCavalier is Still an Elite Center. I have regrets. <laughs> I have regrets.
0: Yeah, but Kurt, you know what? He had 20 goals that year.
1: I was hyped about that move. Like, I knew there were some warning signs, but I was still excited.
0: He's a big name, and he famously had defeated the Flyers in a conference final. It's always great to add your enemy at some point, even 10 years later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What were the other names on that roster that I had some quick um some quick one timers on? Uh Mark Strite that was before he broke his dick. Um Chris Vandevelde. Pretty good year for uh, Mark Strite. He
0: had forty-four points.
1: I think that yeah, he I mean, you know, he was obviously overcast in that role, but he was fine. He was fine during his first couple years as a flyer and well, then that in the was last, at least I, when
0: he had chemo to be in there as well. Was, so he wasn't relied upon to be like the guy. It's hard to get
1: mad at Mark Streit for being not good enough. And this, you know, sort of ties into the Duru and Couturier point from way earlier. Not that Mark Strite is as good as those guys were, but it's hard to get mad at him for not being good enough when like no rational person should be
0: expecting
1: him to be the best defenseman on a team when he is 35 years old.
0: Granted, I think he did enter the league at 31.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't think I have many other good jokes about that team. Um, Chris, I feel like that was back when Chris Vandiaveldi was an interesting idea and not a person we would go on that would go on to make us all become the Joker.
0: He only played eighteen games. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Zach Ronaldo played sixty-seven games and had hundred fifty-three penalty minutes and four points.
1: So a lean year for him. <laughs> four points. Oh my god.
0: Jay Rose Hill, meanwhile. Jay Rosehill played in 34 <laughs> games and had 90 penalty minutes and two points. Oh man.
1: I, I still I remember because that was the year Drew didn't get his first goal until like 15 games into the season. And, oh my um, god, I
0: was there at that game and it was and just the day like, that he did, overjoyed. Yeah, and the day that yeah. he did,
1: um I like I had something going on. I couldn't watch a day, and I was getting like updates. And I got one like Jay Rosehill just scored before Quad Drew, and I'm like, "Well, I know who the captain is now, baby." <laughs> and, then, and then Drew scored later in that game. It's like, "Oh, thank God!"
0: ESPN. Yeah. I'm still waiting for that call on the the thirty for thirty. That Rosehill triathlon. Rosehill triathlon. It was the ride of his
1: life. In, in reference to the time where Jay Rosehill could have walked for four minutes or driven thirteen or stolen a car to drive thirteen seconds from one strip club to another strip club. <laughs> it, it it always it always makes me so much. The flyers have brought us so much despair and torment over the last decade, and I, I like being able to reflect on lighter moments, like yes. Jay Rosell stealing a car to drive from one strip club to another one 13 <laughs> seconds away when he could have been <laughs> said just walked for four minutes.
0: It's it's truly phenomenal. It is really an all time moment right there. Whew, what a list that was. What what an experience going I can't through those believe
1: coaches. We've been doing this for so long.
0: I think we have to do. I think we have to do some more fuck segments from the last twenty years, like the goalies and the captains mm. and all that. I mean, obviously, at least the captain yeah. list is a little thinner than the coaching list. Mm-hmm-hmm. The goalies can't be good, but I'm, I'm all in favor of uh, further fuck content.
1: The fuck,
0: not safe for work podcast, right here.
1: No, so let's see. Do you want to talk about uh, Chuck Fletcher's word salad?
0: Okay. Unless, you, unless you have any specific comments on Mike's, Mike being a details guy. He's had some yeah. success.
1: <laughs> so to to give a little peek behind the curtain here in the outline, we've got some things Chuck Fletcher said in his press, some quotes from Chuck Fletcher's press conference yesterday. Um, I do like, that's a hard question, Charlie. When Charlie, I think, asked a question about basically like why Elaine, but I don't remember exactly because it sounded like um the, the questions that were being asked in this presser yesterday sounded like they were being asked by the teacher in peanuts from everybody.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly. It was that. But I think that his question, if I remember correctly, was about basically like why did, why was the team never able to recreate what they were doing in 2019-20 and like did guys um did guys like start tuning the coach out to which Chuck said, that's a hard question, Charlie. And obviously not everyone else calls Charlie O'Connor Chuck, but it would have been funny if he did. <laughs>
0: Well, ch- from Chuck to Chuck, that's a hard one.
1: Nothing particularly interesting from this presser other than that, um, which was interesting. Um, uh, it is it is interesting to see um, how many more times can I say that word? Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they um, react to Mike Yo, because it sounds like, and they were talking about this on today's episode of BSH Radio, for all of the complaints about the coaching staff that it seems like the players had last year, those appear to have been mostly aimed towards um, towards uh, Vigneault and French Mike. So maybe they just really hate these French Canadian guys, <laughs> assuming that's not the case. But it seems like they liked Mike Yo, and Yo seems like more of a player's coach. And I know that will drive some people up a wall, but like. It's because they want to see blood from these guys, Again, as we joked earlier, they want to see a player's held accountable by being, you know, tied like hogtied and thrown into a vat of boiling oil or whatever but like the flyers haven't really had a player's coach in a long time and acting like that what they need is someone to scream their heads off probably like doesn't really line up though again like who knows
0: i have to imagine if i'm a player that's exhausting having somebody just screaming at me and it is interesting, you know, the ass crew name, for those of you curious about that, <laughs> that came about because when Elaine Vigneault came on and he was known for being a little bit of a hard ass, his crew was, you know, the, his assistant coaches was Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian, who we have come to know as French Mike, uh, sadly, uh-huh. all too recently. I wish... We had known him as French Mike a year or two ago because it's a, a great nickname. We found out. Yeah, about if we known
1: he was French Mike, I think the power play would have been like ten points better.
0: Easily, no. It's it, obviously French Mike is a disaster, and he's the reason the power play is so bad. I can we get you know Joe Mullen back? got I mean, come on. But the thing is. I guess we we thought that Lappy was gonna be the nice guy in the room, right? Because that's we're like, why is Lappy still around despite the fact that his penalty kill was a disaster? And we thought it was just to be the nice guy, but it turns out the there wasn't too much ass because Yo was at least the the nice guy, the liked guy there, and he was the least ass. He was the least ass, and all the ass came from Big Al and French Mike. But, you know, ultimately, like, Michel Therrien does have a reputation for being an asshole, and it sounds like Elaine Vigneault ran very thin on these players, so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's good to at least have a bit of a, a, a change for now and see what happens, because, especially for an interim, you want an interim to be the opposite of what you just saw to see exactly what you have in this team, and this is a great opportunity to see that. And you know what? It sucks having a manager just screams at you all the time. It sucks. And I know we're pissed off as fans of the Philadelphia hockey club and we want, you know, we want blood, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? These guys don't necessarily need that. I just want to see them play good hockey. And if having a a gentler coach does that, I'm all for it. Just give me better hockey. I don't care how it happens you know, hey, cool. If he's a good manager who uh, is respected by his team, all the better. But, and look, I wish Mike Yo all the luck in the world because I do want to see good hockey and he, he certainly does seem like a nice enough guy. Uh, but I'm just not confident. I think he, I don't know. I'm torn on if he makes it to the end of the season. I keep seeing these talk it rumors swirl around and I, I've certainly seen the opinion that those are only out there because he's ex-Flyers alumni, but... I don't know. He's also a guy I heard about, talked about in the off season.
1: Well, you see, the Flyers hate their alumni, lest oh we forget. God. They want, they they like making their alumni look bad on purpose. Like, that's a real thing that they do. Folks, so who's out not,
0: of Flyers land here? They're uh, obviously they started not a ceremony.
1: going to hire Rick Tockett because, and this is, this is all very much not true.
0: That despicable Comcast Corporation started the the ceremony a half hour early as a middle finger to the alumni of the Philadelphia Flyers. That's such bullshit. Oh my guys, God,
1: like I maybe, like uh, you know, Flyers do not listen to this, but like Hamlin's Razor guys, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to pile on, I don't want to pile on them, but like you know, maybe they just planned it poorly. Like they're, May- they're you not. You know,
0: it's certainly possible. Also planned poorly, not honoring Lou. Lou Nolan.
1: Yeah. Come on. That's some shit. That's get, some shit.
0: Honor Lou Nolan. Just do it. It doesn't it, put another banner up there. Just give Lou. He doesn't even have to be in the Flyers Hall of Fame or whatever. Just give Lou his own banner. Just say Lou rules. <laughs> like whatever. Just big one saying Lou Nolan. I get, don't care. Get the picture, the picture of
1: him that like the out, the drawing of him that they put on those shirts in the playoff game a few years ago. Just like put that on a banner and put it up in the Farg. Like that's, that's all.
0: I wait, how many more years is this man gonna do this? We need to honor him while he's still a Flyers employee, okay? He's mm-hmm. literally getting too old for this shit. So honor Lou right now. Yeah, tomorrow. Wh- wh- do it. Win no more short him, night.
1: man. Like forget forget us. Like win one for him. God. That man has seen some stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Uh anyways, Mike Yo. Um, I don't know. It's it's fine. It's fine. If it again, it it seems like the only way he sticks around long term is if, like, they really turn it around this year, and you know, it'd be cool if that happened. Though I- I'm not terribly optimistic because it seems like like this group might just not be it. And I feel like, and maybe Mike Yo would be willing to, you know, hang out with this group for a little while even if they start tearing it down. But who knows? The rumor names out there right now—you've got to listen. We can run through them real quickly. Talk it. We talked about it a little bit torts we joked about already like I don't I don't really want him and I don't know if he's what this group needs right now Claude Julien think he's a good coach I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it Jim Montgomery obviously you know left under circumstances well I shouldn't say under circumstances like due to personal reasons and I mean so he's the one in this group that isn't like a total retread in the sense that he was only around for two years seemed like he had some success left for reasons that didn't have to, didn't really have, not shouldn't say didn't really, didn't have to do with, like, on ice success or failure. And, you know, it seems like if he's got his life back together, he will get another shot somewhere. I wouldn't mind that being the Flyers.
0: Well, and I just want to say this in regards to Tockett. It, it, like, I keep seeing him thrown out there as a retread, but he's got six years of coaching. He's more of, like, a, a light retread if he's a retread. Because he really has not gotten, like, he took over a lousy Tampa Bay Lightning team and a lousy Arizona Coyotes team. So I, I would be curious, you know, I, I'm not advocating for Takit here, but I, I do feel like it's slightly unfair to group him in with guys like Tortorella and Julian as far as being like heavy retreads because Claude Julian has been coaching for just about 20 years and Tortorella is in a similar boat. I, what is that, 12, 13? Yeah, a 20 years time. for Tortorella, yeah.
1: A long time.
0: Bruno. These are guys that are well-known, established coaches, whereas, like, Tockett's, like, a a sophomore as far as coaches go. He really does not have that long of a track record.
1: It would be a little funny if the Flyers fired Elaine Vigneault to hire John Tortorella just like the Vancouver Canucks did eight years ago because there's a team you want to be like and a trajectory you want to follow— it's that of what the Vancouver Canucks were doing seven, eight years ago that led them to where they are right now. Because that franchise is doing, uh, let me check the news real quick. Ooh, ooh, never mind. Well, hey, they did fire. They did fire everybody. And I'm sure didn't there are some people who would like.
0: Didn't the Boudreaux news get leaked before they even fired their coach?
1: Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> oh, what a that, that that team is really something. I'm happy for Canucks fans that finally got, got what they've wanted for like four years now. Because Jim Benning is not wasn't he was not very good
0: no he's absolutely terrible and that's Mm. that roster has a lot of talent on it it has some
1: some talent it it has some good young talent and then a lot of players that just
0: that trade they made with the coyotes is still insane
1: it's wild truly wild trade like what that team is what that what that team like did in the name of trying to get like a little bit of cap flexibility is gonna it's like short-term cap flexibility is just it's very Jim Benning and like (laughs) clearly they were not all the way in on the guy because they let like because they fired him 20 games into a season and if that's the case how do you let him make that trade
0: right right how do you green light that it's it's unbelievable but you know it's yeah it's just funny also that like Boudreaux was a name that could have been rumored for the Flyers and the Canucks like sweeped in and was like no he's mine
1: yeah oh well Uh, I don't think I don't think he's going to continue his streak of making the playoffs every year anytime soon. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and like it's not it's not a huge loss. I think Boudreaux is a fun coach. I think he's a great offensive coach, and I I would have liked to have seen that for the Flyers. But at the same time, it's not like we missed out on like a generational coaching talent right here. You know, like we didn't miss out on the clear number one guy. Like he was just a a potential contending name right there. But
1: yeah, and I I don't think Fletcher's going to go way off the board here. You know, it's a shame that there are only thirty six qualified. NHL coaches, but what are you going to do?
0: What are you going to do? There's nothing we can do about it. There, there isn't anything we can do about it, folks. As much as there would like to be, I, I do like that uh, LeBron was thrown out there. Like Flyers haven't spoken to anyone. I don't sounds
1: like a that. lie.
0: It sounds like a lie to me. Yeah, I don't believe you. No, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. A hundred percent. But I mean. I don't know. I wish Mike Yo the best. It's going to also be interesting to see what they do with the assistants because they called Ian Lapierre up to help out with that game against Colorado. And as you may know, especially if you listened to the Phantoms fix a couple weeks ago, Ian Lapierre has but not only should. been coaching in Lehigh... You should listen. Has not only been coaching in Lehigh Valley, but doing a terrible job he of He has it.
1: been coaching poorly.
0: <laughs> Good day, sir. If... <laughs> If they just ended that experiment now to just bring him up as an assistant coach on the interim, that would be hilarious because he has been terrible down there. And look, again, that's not to say I don't wish him well and want him to improve and succeed because this is his first head coaching gig. But at the same time, it's also his first head coaching gig. It's a big problem. And I frankly... You could hear the pain in Maddie's voice seeing the, the young Phantom struggle through this coaching so far and this experience. And it's, it, it, you really don't want to see your young guys suffer. And I would love to see a slightly more experienced hand at the wheel down there. But I also want to give him a chance to learn and grow in the position. I'm just saying, I wouldn't hate if they gave a low key demotion to bring him up to be an assistant to Mike Yo for the rest of the, the rest of the season. Um, a, a, a completely
1: random thought that just popped into my mind, and I, I can go through the the train of thought that led me here if if um if I need to. But in regards to Flyers head coach, at some point someone is going to put out the take that if the Flyers really care, and like if Ed Snyder was around, you know, to throw his, like throws dick on the table and throws money around <laughs> to really like to really do whatever he wanted, the Flyers would give a blank check to Rod Brindamore and just make him leave. They hockey market down in Carolina. He'd come up and be a flyer for life, but the Flyers won't do that now because they don't care. Someone's gonna have that take at some point in the future, and it's gonna make me laugh a lot and then be sad because you know, something aside for a moment, it would be fun to have Rod Burnham. he clearly enjoys it down in Carolina, and he's not leaving.
0: He's having an amazing time. He's got one of the best teams in the league. Someone's gonna put that take out there. Yeah, his name's Mike Sealski. He's currently writing it on his typewriter of evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Mike Sielski and is typewriter of evil. Just comes up with bad ideas about the Flyers. Uh, you know, maybe one of the other hot take artists in the city will come up with it too. Like uh, uh, Marcus Hayes might be coming up with that one right now because he knows like five Flyers names throughout history. <laughs> oh, I love the media in this city sometimes. It's, I mean, it's not the same. It used to really be, it, it used to be something. And I will say if Tortorella comes in, I demand that all the classic Flyers beats come back into the fold. Keep Sam around for five more years. Bring Timmy P-Pack, Timmy Panaccio, CB, bring it all back. Bring Randy J back. Need to
1: recreate the picture with Hack and all the beats at the Applebee's.
0: <laughs> I think it's the Olive Garden. Because it was Olive Garden, Tim, yeah. No, Tim Panaccio all... is very unhappy about the quality of the Italian food there. I wonder if he told CB about it. He definitely told CB all about it, and she did not want to hear any of it. I, what an unbelievable assortment. You know, Tim Panaccio loved his Dr. Pepper, and CB, <laughs> and Barolo, and Randy J couldn't take pictures around desks. He didn't know how to do that. Remember Miller time, when he went to, like, a tropical island? I was like, hey, look at this! I'm These Randy J. roots! Pepper. The best. <laughs> what a group the fact that we're only left with sam out of that whole group is such a travesty and then like the best was also like dave isaac would just kind of be like smiling politely in the corner
1: yeah i I never never knew what he was a solid beat writer but i never quite knew what to make of him with that group
0: i think he was just like i would just like to do some writing about hockey and the rest of the group's like getting wine drunk and from the the club going up up on a tuesday yeah (laughs)
1: And then, and then you had Frank Saravalli who got the job at TSN, and they all hated him.
0: Well, but... listen, he's been gray since he was one year old, so. Yeah. It's... Gray hair has always cracked me up. I think Frank Saravalli's like my age, and he looks like he's like 50. Frank Saravalli was
1: really cool to me the first time I was ever in an NHL press box, so I, I, I'm i I'm nice to him. But, you know what? Yeah, he's, he was... he's
0: become a respected writer for DailyFaceLove.com.
1: He broke the entire Seattle expansion draft for what daily
0: faceoff.com. Yeah. Yep. Daily faceoff. I I'm still stunned by that, that whole, but like Frank's like, uh, Frank was leaving. I'm like, well, he's clearly going to ESPN, right? And they joined daily faceoff. I'm like, wait, the place where I go for lineups with, with the jerseys. I don't even go and there he anymore. Said, he said, I knew about them. Cause they make, they have the
1: posts with the jerseys. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's, that's, well, okay. writers. They're just like us. And
0: you know, that's that's no offense to Daily Faceoff, which used to be a great tool of mine, until Cap Friendly came up with a better tool and way less garbage-like ads on their site that I had to deal with. But it's it's just an odd move for him. But I miss that classic beat writer core. I don't miss them because they were terrible hot take artists. And believe me, the beats are way better currently. Taking it to the beats. Taking it to the beats was the thing because we had so many... Of these just terrible beat writers and takes on the flyers constantly that we needed to talk about it all the time because they were just rolling these out there all the time. and it's not the same because I mean it's really just Charlie now and you can't take it to Charlie because his takes are great. <laughs> he just can't take it to Charlie.
1: yeah and and if you do he'll fight you because he goes to the gym.
0: He goes to the gym Charlie's gonna kick our asses. I don't want to te- I don't want to deal with that.
1: No, I don't. I don't want to get my ass kicked by Charlie Gun. It'd be so embarrassing.
0: Absolutely not.
1: That's it for Flyers coaching candidates.
0: <laughs> That's it. I got nothing else today. You know, we there's plenty to talk about, and I'm sure I'm going to have some great adventures in New York, the only city with pizza and bagels to talk about next week. So, uh, lots of fun on that front. We get you a New York slice. New York slice. New York City. Gee whiz! I can't wait. But. That's yeah. That's all we got. I'm sure we could talk about some other stuff. We I thought about doing the Flavor Town ranking for the co- coaches, but guess what? They're not worthy of Flavor Town no. from the past twenty years. They're not. They're <laughs> not going. There's no donkey. It all needs more Guy, guy sauce. goes to all these. He's like, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. The Flyers need a <laughs> swimming pool, an Olympic sized swimming pool full of donkey sauce. And guy, if you're listening, get that to the team. Ron Hextall won't appreciate that because it's very bad for their health because it's basically just aioli. But you know, guy, come help these guys out. Come on. That's what you do. You got to, you save restaurants. Now save the Philadelphia Flyers. That's Mike Yo's new assistant coach. Take us to Flavortown, listen, guy.
1: Listen, say what you will about Guy Fieri. Would he have traded a first and a second for Rasmus in? I don't know. I, I don't think he would have.
0: Guy Fieri would have drafted Kale McCarr. Yeah, he, he like, yeah. Because he could see into the future, because that's oh, what happens. Um, I, I was, <laughs> so
1: I was gonna say, yeah, he seems like a kale guy, but like you know, Guy Fieri probably isn't a kale guy. So well, if it's like, deep fried. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, true. With with, yeah. with donkey sauce, of course. With donkey
0: sauce. of course. Gotta have the donkey sauce. But, <sighs> good lord, folks, how did we get gonna... here? <laughs> I don't know. It's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> it's late. I'm cutting Close it out. off.
1: Close it out. We're done. I'm we're cutting
0: done. it off. Shut <laughs> it down. Shut it down. We're not going around the league. We're done. We're not going around the league. We're not. We're not doing the John Taffer comes in and yells at the Flyers, maybe briefly, but you know we're not. We're not going to do all that. <laughs> what do you got? You're a disgrace. You got Big Al fired. You got French Mike fired. What's, fire? What's French Mike gonna do now? His family's on the street. They're upset. You, French Mike's crying in the corner. Claude Giroux. it's your fault. Now listen, I I know things are tough for the hockey team, but, you know, if you get it together and really rally and make the playoffs, you might make the people of Philadelphia very happy. But French Mike's life is ruined, okay? You're a disgrace to your father.
1: (laughs) my stomach
0: hurts oh boy oh baby <laughs> folks thank you so much for listening oh, my, my allergies are acting up and kurt's dying and it's time <laughs> to go my children need food if you have any feedback for us the best places on twitter You can reach kurt at kurt
1: <laughs> not even not even naming all the 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 prefix suffixes or whatever what twitter what
0: got what Tom tom.org.edu.ca.pornhub.com okay, he named him, he named him anyways
1: he's, he's a true clown
0: penis that <laughs> fart but <laughs> you working on anything my, for broad street I hockey am right am now you want to plug my mind some
1: verbalizing some of the things we've talked about tonight like some thoughts about you know what might like the thought process over the next couple months and a little bit of a rant about what we talked about earlier with the team not being able to catch a break because again i don't want to make excuses but it it matters and um but yeah i mean the flyers you know we hate to put it this way but they might have got more interesting when they fired everyone so um you know we've got some things to talk about in these next few weeks here
0: yeah we got some things to talk about so keep coming to broad street hockey for all that tangy tent you can follow me at Flyperboli or at Esteban Bodas for Hockey. Make it FlyPerbole. There's also the FlyPerbole Instagram, which posts stuff, all sorts of stuff, like pictures of our friend the rat, all those stickers that I post around the world. Uh, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey, follow Broad Street Hockey on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, all that fun stuff. And yeah, we're going to have a lot of content coming out in the next few weeks. I mean, this is. You know, when a coach gets fired, that's a big change. And we're going to be analyzing how this team reacts. And so much to come. So many more podcasts. And stick with us. We have lots to come. We love you, folks. Be safe out there. Be careful. Wear your mask and wash your damn hands. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow
1: we we're, we 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 we